Hello, and welcome to Fulcrum Transmissions, a Star Wars podcast. Thank you for joining us this week. Episodes will typically be uploaded every Monday, and any changes to that schedule will be posted on our Twitter at Fulcrum Pod and Instagram at Fulcrum Podcast. Be sure to follow us on either of those for previews and information about upcoming episodes. Hi, I'm Sage. My pronouns are she and they. You can find me on TikTok and Twitter at Sage Sindula. Hi, my name is Claire and my pronouns are she, her. You can find me on TikTok at Claire Kenobi and on Twitter at Corky Kenobi. Today we're going to be talking about the High Republic Adventure series up until now and Race to Crash Point Tower. So spoilers for those. I have read this comic series so many times just like it's just something I do all the time and I didn't start reading it until like July like after the rising storm came out I think is when I read it um yeah because then I read race to crash point tower and then I was like oh I should probably be reading the comics (laughs) I've never I was never like much of a comic reader um until I was like oh I I should read these and then I read I think the High Republic like regular comic series by Kevin Scott first and then went to Adventures. I definitely I definitely am a High Republic Adventures enthusiast. Um, it's my favorite part about the High Republic actually because it does focus on my two favorite characters, Zine Rala and uh, Lula Talasola. I love them so much and we're going to be talking a lot about how much I love them. Yeah, I also, like, the High Republic comics were my first, like, comics that I've really read, um, and I started with the, like, main High Republic comics, and then did High Republic Adventures, and it was, like, a couple months ago that I started them, because it was sort of after I had read most of the books, and then I was, like, okay, I want more of this, so I decided to start reading the comics, and I, like, got caught up really quickly, um, and High Republic Adventures, I just love it so much like it makes me really emotional because of the fact that they're all so young and like the definitely the found family aspect which is obviously one of the great things about Star Wars that we get a lot so seeing it with like a group of people who are young and like relatable and they're just like although there's so much going on around them and they're involved in so much they're still very much kids being kids and it's nice to see because a lot of times in Star Wars people are faced with so much when they're so young that we don't get to see the like childhood um but for the characters in higher public adventures we get that as well as them like showing a lot of maturity and dealing with all the hard stuff that they have to deal with right and like like all of the are like younger um characters in the series they have very real struggles that like feel like what kids like go through you know especially like Lula's I mean I feel like everyone can really relate to Lula's like wanting to be the best and sort of her almost imposter syndrome with like you know she doesn't know what she would do if she wasn't a Jedi if she wasn't the best Jedi and I feel like that is like incredibly relatable especially if you're like uh, a young person who like grew up knowing what they wanted and you're kind of faced with like you can see in a lot in Race to Crash Point Tower when um Lula talks to uh Vernestra and she's kind of like oh my gosh like you're not that much older than me and you are already a Jedi Knight and you already have a Padawan and she's kind of going through this like oh like I don't really 
am I on the right track? Am I doing good enough? That felt very relatable, um, especially when her and Vernestra were having that conversation. And Vernestra was like, you don't need to be like, you're already great and you're doing your best. And yeah, like I'm here and this, but I, it's not that I don't struggle. It's not that I don't have my own things that I'm trying to deal with. Um, and, you know, I think Vernestra also, she saw a lot of um, herself in Lula, but she also wanted to, there's things that Lula has that she doesn't. Um, there was a little bit of an excerpt today um, that came out from of Mission to Disaster. Um, and in that, I think I'm what I'm assuming is the first chapter of it. Uh, but there was a, a line that Vernestra said about her paddle on Emory. And she was like, I wish I was as brave as him. And, you know, I was like, oh, ow, you are so brave, girl. <laughs> but, you know, that's the thing that she struggles with. And that's a very real emotion as well. But seeing Lula, who's super brave, who just always is ready for whatever happens, you know, that's something that Vernestra was, saw in her. And she was like, that's something that I don't have. Um, and so that conversation between them was just very, is a very needed thing, especially for both of the, those characters. And it showed a lot of growth. And you could see from the beginning of Race to Crash Point Tower to the end, just how much Lula internalized her conversation with Vernestra at the beginning of the book. Yeah, the way that um, how, because we, we've like reading Crash Point, like we've read Test of Courage and we have gotten Vern's perspective on a lot of things. And you know that Vern is struggling a lot with feeling like she's not going to live up to all these expectations that she feels are being put, placed on her because she's so young and because she's sort of seen as like a prodigy by a lot of people. And then we get to see Lula's perspective on it. And Lula is trying to sort of fight back this jealousy that she feels when she sees Vern being to Lula she's like Vern is just so good at everything and I don't think I'm ever gonna be that good especially not at her age because we're so close in age and it's a very very relatable thing that we see Lula go through and it's something that because these with the middle grade books it's so great because the characters are really relatable for younger readers too and also older readers it's really the middle grade novels just do a really good job of be, like bringing real issues to a younger audience in a way that doesn't like dumb them down or sugarcoat things. It's just really honest and relatable. Um, but seeing Vern and Lula's sort of differing perspectives, but they both have a lot of the same mindset of like, I need to be the best and like, I need to live up to what everyone else wants me to be and what I think I should be. Um, but to see it from Lula's perspective where she doesn't know that Vern thinks all that to her, Vern is just perfect, but we know Vern is thinking all that. And so to get to see an interaction between the two of them where Vern is like, this is how I feel and how I have felt and it's okay to feel that way. And like, I understand that you think there's a lot of pressure on you, but Vern has also been there and is there. So she's able to really help Lula a lot. And so the two of them just have a really great relationship in this book. Yeah, and that's something also that I just love about that scene in particular, and also just kind of in the High Republic in general, we have these two girls who could easily be rivals. Like, they have, you know, they're 
ideals and stuff are the same, they're aligned, they could, you know, be fighting, but they're not. And they have a, a great conversation. And although Lula does have jealousy towards Vern, you know, they both work through that together. And that's something that's so like amazing to see in a book that's aimed towards younger people because it's like you know that's a great representation of a healthy female friendship yeah they also do have a really good conversation that I really liked about attachments where Lula that's the great thing is Lula really respects Vern and admires her even though she's feeling this jealousy she's still willing to listen and learn from her which is why their relationship is so great and works so well both ways but they have this conversation where Lula's worried about how attached she is to Zine and Cantum Sai and just all of her friends. And Vern just listens to her and sort of talks her through it and is like, yes, we're taught Jedi aren't supposed to have attachments. And like, it's fair to be worried about that. But like, you're not attached to them for selfish reasons. You're attached to them because you are a caring and compassionate person, which is exactly what a Jedi is supposed to be. And that conversation's great because it's a good like bonding moment and a learning moment for Lula and honestly Vern too. But it's also great because it's really contrasting to what we see in like the Clone Wars and the later Jedi where when attachments are brought up, it's immediately like, no, you can't have that. That's bad. You need to stop that rather than like this open, honest conversation that we see between the two of them, especially with Vern being so young and you're like, she's so young and she already can recognize this. Why can like fully grown adults in the Clone Wars who are Jedi not recognize that? Yeah. Um, speaking of attachments and Lula, let's talk about Lula and Zine real quick. And by real quick, I mean, I'm going to try not to talk about it for an hour. Um, <laughs> Lula and Zine have my favorite relationship in all of, in all of Star Wars, really. Um, I just love their dynamic. You know, we start out with, um, both characters in the first issue of Higher Public Adventures. And we see an interesting thing going on with their thoughts and their thoughts are lining up. Um, and, you know, they're not even together at this point. They're compl- they're apart. I think, you know, it's when Lula is first introducing herself and she's saying like, I have a secret. I want to be the greatest Jedi ever. And then we switch to Zine and she's like, I have a secret. I'm force sensitive and I'm not supposed to be because everyone in my cult that I'm in (laughs) is telling me that that's bad. And then they meet and it's, and it's absolutely everything. It is the moment. Um, Zine Marala, she is a force sensitive girl who grows up in a um, family kind of her clan that she's in is against force sensitives it's against people who use the force and therefore against Jedi and then so we see Zine and and her friend Crix are are together um, at the beginning of the first issue and they then see the Jedi when they come to um, Trimant 4. That's their plan. Yeah. Planet, right? Yeah. And Crix is like, oh my God, Jedi, this is, this is the worst. And then Zine is super like intrigued by these people because she sees people who are like her. 
And this is the first time she's meeting a Jedi and the first time she's seeing people who are just openly using the force, which is something that she was told was not an okay thing to do. And then, you know, she meets them, they save her and she saves them openly in front of everyone in her tribe. She uses the force and they, and Crix reacts very poorly to it. And then <laughs> Lula sees Zine using the force, realize that this girl is saving her life. And Zine is like barely unable to hold up this piece of debris that is flying down at them. And she's saying, I can't hold it much longer. And then Lula gets up and holds the debris up in the air with the force with Zine. And she goes, we ha- we've got you. Don't worry, we've got you. And that moment is just so amazing and brings tears to my eyes, truly. Every time I reread it, it always, it hits different every single time. Um, but yeah, and then so we have Zine who has been told all of her life that this thing about her is bad. And then she meets all of these people who are just like her and then feels accepted by, and it is accepted by them immediately. And her so-called best friend reacts very poorly and he leaves her alone. Um, We can get into what I believe this is alluding to, this whole storyline. I do believe that Zine's story is inherently a queer allegory um, of just, you know, having, being, living in a society that is saying, you know, this is wrong. And then finally meeting people like her and feeling accepted by them. That is, that is such a queer story. And so, you know, we get to this relationship between Zine and Lula that's forming over this series of comics. And their relationship, you you know, if you're reading this through a queer eye, which we are, and you see this relationship between Lula and Zine and you say, and you feel that, you know, you're like, oh, I'm, I feel very seen right now. At least that's how I feel when I'm reading it. I feel, I, you know, I read these, lines between Lula and Zine, and I feel very represented. Um, even though they're not explicitly stated to be queer, I d- it, the story itself feels very familiar. And that's important. I feel like that's a really important thing because, you know, if Lula and Zine end up being canonically queer, that's great. That would make me feel very good. Um, if they're not, it's still okay. I still relate to the story and other people are going to relate to the story, how they view it, you know, through their own perspectives and their own life experiences. But how I see it is how I see it. And, um, and that makes me feel good. So if, you know, young Sage, 14 year old age, that's the thing too. They are also like, they're also kids. They're also probably at this point, I think they're probably about 15, 16, when we start, I'm assuming they're 14, 15-ish, you know, they all range in ages, but that's the date I'm assuming, uh, age I'm assuming that they are. And then I look, I, I totally see myself in this because I, you know, came out around age 14. I was a freshman in high school 
And that sage really needed a story like this, you know, really needed characters like this because that's not something that, you know, I had. I feel like I'm thinking about the like bisexual representation that I had when I was <laughs> coming out was like Brittany from Glee, <laughs> Callie Torres from Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> like, And those are not necessarily characters that a 14 year old needs to look up to. This is, you know, this is something that is, I'm would be great really I'm I'm very grateful and to Daniel Jose Older for writing this story and I'm also you know I'm I'm super stoked for all the like young queer people who are reading these comics and these books and they have that representation you know and they can relate to that and that's gonna like affect their lives in ways that it didn't affect my life when I was 14 because I didn't have this stuff. So that's why I am I am a High Republic Adventures enthusiast. I am a Zine and Lula enthusiast. <laughs> I love them a lot. Worried for them in the future. Um, can't wait to see the rest of their story pan out. It makes me go insane all the time. It's all I think about. <laughs> yeah, right from the beginning with High Republic Adventures, we get the found family aspect, which like for me is probably the main reason why I am like Star Wars so much because we get that a lot in Star Wars and I think honestly it's like becoming an adult is for me I've come to realize that a lot of the reason for that is because it's very appealing for a lot of queer people to see something where you're not accepted by your family or friends or people you've grown up around but having this idea that you can find your own group of people who will accept you and that doesn't have to be blood relatives. It can be just the people who you find yourself being drawn to. And also just to see like two young girls having this experience is really important because like it is a very like common experience for like queer teenagers to have like, oh, this is my best friend that I'm like kind of in love with maybe, um, but I yeah. don't really know that because that's never something that was like, that's never something that I would have thought of because it's never portrayed as being like the norm or even something that you should expect. So you kind of have to come to that realization on your own. And it's great to see Verzine having this group of people who are so accepting of her and to have Lula who's so accepting of her and helping her to kind of figure out who she is and what her path is. And that's something that a lot of queer people really need to see and want to see. And it's really great that we have something like that. And in, again, like a medium and like a story that's so accessible for younger people, like younger teenagers, even children, to see this and feel like, oh, it's okay for me to kind of forge my own path away from where I was raised or where I grew up. If that's not a good environment for me, I can seek out other people who are going to make me feel more accepted and more valid and for people at a young age to be able to see that in a story like this in Star Wars so it is a universe that a lot of children already are very drawn to even from a young age like even for me myself I've watched Star Wars since I was like seven so a story like this for people of such a young age to see and grow up and think about it and have that is really really important and it's why it's it's just so great I love it another thing I just love about Lula and Zine regardless of where their relationship goes in the future they're like just bond in general 
is just so fantastic. It's just so fantastic. They have, I do believe that they are a dyad in the force. Um, I'm a Lula and Zine dyad truther. There is a lot of evidence that they are. Even despite that, um, they're just like friendship to each other is great. You know, they have this extremely healthy friendship and we see through these, especially in the comics, we didn't get a lot of them together in um, Race to Crash Point Tower. Totally valid though. You know, they were fighting the Nihil um, on Valo during their huge attack. Um, but we do see a lot in the comics, Zine, you know, being left by her best friend that has an impact. And I loved that she didn't just get over it right away. You know, she's, there's a scene um, where she's crying and she's upset and she's thinking about Cricks and Lula comes in and she's like, are you okay? And Zine just opens up and is like, I'm not feeling well. Like I'm, I miss my friend, you know? Um, and she just had this huge change in her life. And Lula is just there for her, no matter what. And then all the and then all the Jedi Masters walk in, and it's a little bit of a funny moment. And Cantum Sai being the best, the best um, master to Lula is just like, do you guys need a minute? <laughs> they're like, they're like we can come back later. <laughs> and I loved that. I love that because um, boundaries are important. They're <laughs> important to represent, um, especially in media that uh, children are going to be reading. Um, anyways, my favorite, one of my favorite moments um, in all of this, in all of this is when Lula and Ram are running through Vallow. This is in Race to Crash Point Tower. It's uh, crazy. There's chaos everywhere, you know, and Lula's first thought is, is of Zine. The opening words to chapter 16, which is when they are running to Valo, is Zine Marala, um, italicized um, because it is in Lula's head. And that is, and I think the second line is um, Farzala, which, yeah, absolutely. Um, love them. Love, I love Farzala as well. He has a great relationship to Lula and Zine, um, their little trio. Love Court too. Don't want to leave anyone out here. But that trio of them um, is really good. But yeah, her first thought when she is running through this chaos is of Zine. She wants to make sure that she's okay. Um, and, you know, we get that conversation about attachment in the beginning. And she does say that she's attached to Zine, which they live together. You know, they've formed this like great bond because they've gone through so much trauma together. But it's just like a it's just one of those things where you're like, wow, that's, that's such a great moment that your first thought isn't of yourself. It's of Zine. And that's a testament to Lula's character for sure. You know, Lula cares about literally everyone else and she does care about herself, but she's very much a Jedi in the way that everybody comes before her. Um, she wants to make sure everyone's okay, no matter what. I just love Lula. <laughs> she is my favorite character. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I was going to say about Lula is that in everything she does right from the very start, she feels very Jedi-like and not in a way of this is how we've seen Jedi or how Jedi are typically portrayed. 
she feels Jedi-like in the way that she's what I think a Jedi should be. Like when I think of a Jedi, ideally what they should be, Lula is that. And we see her, she just cares so much about the people around her. And like, she even worries about it. Like I was saying with her conversation with Vern, but Vern is like, you aren't like, yes, you are attached to them. You care about them, but it's from a place of caring about other people and not wanting them to be hurt or anything happen to them. And she just really points out to her how selfless she is. And you can tell Lula doesn't see herself that way because she always is sort of thinking about how she can be better. She doesn't really take the time to appreciate how good of a Jedi she already is. But she's just, she's a really powerful Jedi, but she also on the emotional side of things really understands what it means to be a Jedi and what it means to devote your life to looking out for other people. And so I think that, especially for being so young, like we have like, we have other Jedi in this area, like Avar Chris, I think is a really good example of a Jedi, but like for someone of Lula's age to really have that pinned down is really good to see. And so I think that she's just a great example of a character. She's a great role model for people reading um, these comics and she's just great. Love Lula. She's just great. I could just, that's, you know, there's a lot to say about Lula, but it does come down to she is just great. Mm-hmm. Oh, we did talk a lot about, um, about Crick's, Crick's camera. We did talk a lot about him last episode, um, but we, we kind of just were talking about how much we, dis, we dislike him. Um, let's talk about him as an actual antagonist and his role in this entire story. Uh, because it's very interesting and I don't think I've seen um, very much of like this this trope that he has of you know he was best friends with Zine and then he felt I don't know if hurt is the right way I think that he was hurt that she didn't tell him Um, but she obviously didn't tell him that she was force sensitive because of the way he reacted. And, you know, we do see in the beginning through through the entire comic run, really, we're seeing kind of, he meets Martian. Martian is definitely, has a hand in manipulation. You know, he is, he is manipulating Crix. He's kind of like edging him on to say like, oh, you know, she did betray you. She is like the bad guy. And Crix is kind of like, yeah, I guess you're right, you know. Not so he is he does have his own thoughts, you know, he's not completely brainwashed. So he is actively, you know, choosing to fight against Zine and fight against the Jedi. He is actively choosing to be a part of the Nihil. He is a kid, you know, and I think this is a a great representation of how kids are susceptible to older people's views. Um especially when, you know, this is all Crix has known, you know, he's just, all he's known is we hate the Jedi, we hate people who use the force, and then he has a role model, and the role model is Martian Rowe, who we talked about last episode, is the force-sensitive person hater. He does hate force-sensitive people, and so, you know, we, you can kind you see Crix, you don't agree with Crix at all. I, I've never once been like, yeah, Crix has a point ever. I dislike him a lot, but 
but you can see his thought process. You can see like where, why he is thinking the things that he is thinking. Um, really don't like him for that, but you know, the comics do illustrate a very, uh, they illustrate a good job of this mental process that Crix is going through as a young person who is being told many things. Now, you know, once he sees Lula, or not Lula, well, yes, Lula, but also Zine, when he sees Zine again after she goes after him the first time, um, that is a point where he could have been like, oh, maybe this best friend of mine who happens to be force sensitive isn't the bad guy and maybe force sensitives aren't the bad guys and then he doesn't you know he keeps getting these chances to change his to to educate himself and change his mind and he doesn't take them um whether or not crix is getting a redemption arc in the future i have my own stance i don't think he should um but you know Either way, if he does or not, I know that it's going to be well-written. I am worried for the end of phase one, um, what's going to happen. Uh, speaking of that one issue, though, where Zine and Crix face off, she does almost kill him. Um, she is, you know, choking him with the force. And then Lula comes in and is like, this is not our way. And Zine totally is like, you're right. Which I think is interesting because Zine is not a Jedi, you know? She didn't grow up with this, this idea that, you know, life should always be spared and blah, 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 blah. She doesn't come from that. And so for her to just catch on to the Jedi's ordeals is just a testament to just how good of a person she is and how good of a heart she has. Um, but yeah. You know, Crix and Zine, very opposites, very opposites. And but their stories sync up so well. Um, anytime there's a anytime there's a panel in one of the comics where they're like side by side and it's a total parallel between them, between uh, Zine and Crix, I just I'm go insane. I'm going absolutely insane. I'm like, this is so just well written and so well like drawn and colored and everything. High Republic Adventures, a, a complete ma- a complete masterpiece. <laughs> yeah, for them to give us an antagonist who is not just some adult who's separate from them, but they happen to cross paths, it's someone who she knows so well and who she trusted and who she feels betrayed her. He feels that she betrayed him and they split off and are now basically opposites they're in opposition now um but it makes everything so much more emotional and not just because we do like we do see zine going through all these emotions like she has her moments of sadness of anger which is really great because it could have so easily been them just being like okay Crix is terrible and she's fine without him but they didn't do that even though she's able to recognize how awful it is what he's doing and for him to go and work with the Nihil and with Martian and help them do terrible things but she can recognize that, but also miss her friend and miss the person that she thought that he was. And we get um, a really nice progression of Crix's character too, where at the beginning, you're almost, you almost feel bad for him because you're like, oh, okay. Like he's been taught this and his friend did like hide this from him, even though you know why, but you're almost like, oh, I get 
why he feels this way and then he just keeps making poor decisions and doing these bad things and getting involved with bad people until the point where you're like okay never mind he's just sucks and you aren't at all rooting for him but he is still a very interesting antagonist and a very good counterpart for zine but also this whole group of padawans that we see in these comics um and it's nice to have an antagonist who is also young like them um because it just makes it it's just a whole cast of characters who are all very young and it's a lot not necessarily more interesting but it's a different perspective on the sort of world and environment that they're living in during this time period when you get it from the perspective of children not just from the protagonist side but also the antagonist being a child yeah definitely when cricks um there is like I feel like there's a few like defining moments for cricks in his uh progression of character one being I the moment that I was like I can't stand him he is the worst and he (laughs) he's on the road to villainy is when he totally betrayed his elder Um, (laughs) that was I literally was like oh my god this kid is not to throw the word evil out there because I don't believe Crix is necessarily evil but that was an evil moment that made me I was shocked and I was like this kid is like 14 years old maybe maybe a little bit older but like wow that was just such such a yeah Mm -hmm. yeah as soon as he's like as soon as he started trying to like coax answers out of him I was like this is getting bad and then he immediately turns around and sells him out to Martian and I was like oh my god like this has gone beyond just you feeling betrayed by your best friend this is now just you doing shitty things and it does come from a place of where it's like okay he's a survivor he's going to do what it takes to survive and like Martian's kind of his only option at this point like it's not like he on his own can just go against him but to do something so like blatantly bad against someone from his home world I was like bestie no or don't do that yeah and that's another thing is like where would Crix be able to go you know at this point he's so in deep he could have gone with Zine when she came when her and Lula came to find him he could have done that. He didn't. Um, now where we're at in the comics, he is just attacked uh, Takadana. Uh, hated him for that, really. Um, we did get a little bit of a glimpse into next week's issue. Um, and I did have a little bit of a mental breakdown um, today on my lunch break. I did start crying uh, watching that or reading it. Um, however, now is a chance for he is again in the same area as zine he at this point is not with marshawn he's not marshawn's not there he could go he could like return to zine you know that the jedi especially the padawans yeah they wouldn't like cricks but they wouldn't just be like we're leaving you for dead you know they would take him in they'd probably put him in some sort of prison maybe but he has a chance is he going to take it I don't think so 
Um, I actually know he's not going to because of there are three issues left, I believe. Um, and he is in those. So it's just like this, you know, he could, if he wanted to go back, but he's not, um, whether that's because he is actually, you know, actually respects Marshawn and actually is loyal to him, or if he's has some underlying fear of him. I don't really know at this point. I think that at, at first, yes, I think he was afraid of, of Mark and was like, I, I don't want to um, die. At this point, I don't think that's going to happen. I think that Marcion is is in a situation with him that he will not be killed by him. Um, who knows? You know, Mark is a little crazy and likes to kill people that we thought he was loyal to. Crix, uh, I think, is definitely playing a losing game here working for Mark because... No one is able to work for Martian for long and live. Like, like he's had Pan, you know, he had Casa before that. So many people that work for him, as soon as they mess up, he's done with them because he has his plan. And if anyone is going to make mistakes or get in the way of that, he will immediately get rid of them. He's not going to let people stand in the way of his plan. And he doesn't feel any more loyalty to people who have served him for longer or done more for him. And like, um, Crick's whether he'll figure that out before it comes to the point where Marcion kills him. I don't know. I guess we'll find out, but I think either way, he's going to have to figure that out or end up dead because Marcion isn't going to keep him around for long. If he makes any kind of mistake, which he probably will at some point, especially considering how young he is, he just doesn't know enough or have enough life experience to be the kind of person that is going to be able to do everything that Marcion asks of him. Yeah, and I'm worried that that one thing is going to be killing Zine. Um, I am worried about that. Will he be able to do it? I don't think so, actually. I think that he, think I think that Crix right now has this idea of himself in his head. And I think that he thinks he knows who he is and as soon as it comes down to it and is actually facing off with Zine in a position where they're equal somehow, I don't know how that would happen. I'm worried about how that would happen. I was about to say uh, epic leveler moment. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow, that is something I didn't even think about until literally just now. Why did I? I'm like, wait, no, <laughs> upsetting, very upsetting. Um, leveler, bestie. Get away from Zinrala. I'm, I have thrown books across the rooms a few times in my life. That is something that will happen. If the, <laughs> if the leveler comes anywhere near Zine or Lula or, Fos or Farzala, bye. <laughs> Get away. Yeah, I'm like, I don't really know what the leveler is, but if it's some kind of like animal, what kind of like treats does it want that I can keep yeah. it away from my characters? Um, oh my gosh, the plot of um, the Great Jedi Bake Off is just, I was just and Storm and Buck creating making treats for the leveler to keep it at bay <laughs> the leveler's on starlight and they're like feeding it pastries so it doesn't yeah. go after anyone <laughs> my 
joke theory was that um because we see starlight like on fire in the poster that we got recently it's just that they like left their stuff in the oven too long yeah but maybe <laughs> they're actually just making treats for the leveler but yeah back to Crix I think that he has this idea of who he is and when it comes down to it he's going to question that um I think that something really interesting about this and it's more in like the subtext is that I do believe that Crix does not have a lot of control right now over his over his life you can see the foil here between zine and crix is when zine goes off and is with the padawans she is given a she's given choices all the time you know she she was given a choice to stay with them you know she is always asked what she wants to do she's never expected to do anything that she doesn't want to and then we have crix who is being told you need to do this you need to do this um and then so cricks you know he goes off and he's like i uh, this is i'm doing this stuff already i want more and i want more power and we see that in the last few issues he really is just he's rising in the ranks and he wants to get up there and i think that comes from a place of not being in control he's trying to take control over his life after his entire world was destroyed, you know? We talk about Zine and how her life was completely uprooted. So was Crix, like he he did have a huge life change. Um, his planet is in ruins, you know? He's a part of the Nihil, he has, he knows nobody. Um, and he is just trying to survive. In the beginning, I think that he turned that fear that he was feeling about surviving and um in this like really awful atmosphere of the Nihil and now he is he's taking control and he is rising in the ranks because that's all he can do like I said he could you know go back to Zine next time they meet um but I think that at this point he is so just like suffocated by the person that he has made himself to be that he can't see any other option. Yeah, definitely. And I think even we see this in a lot of the people that Martian has had working for him, be it the Tempest Runners are a good example of this, where we see them, like we see Pan Ada sort of trying to rally the other Tempest Runners and rally his own Tempest against Martian. And he presents it as just him wanting to take power, but it is also for his own protection. I mean, this is after he has the whole incident where Martian does his little like electrocuting helmet thingy. Um, mm -hmm. And then he's like, okay, I need to get the other Tempest Runners on my side because I want power, but actually because I need to protect myself. And if I can get everyone on board with this of going against Martian, he can't beat all of us but when it's just a one-on-one -on -one with Martian Martian is going to win that's just how it's played out to this point and who knows how long that's going to last for Martian I think there's definitely going to come a point where he can't beat someone or when the people going against him there's too many of them and he can't beat all of them but to this point he has been successful in taking down people who are opposing him within his own organization and so Crix is doing a lot of the same thing where he's like if I can stay on his good side if I can gain power and maybe 
get to a position where I can have people working for me who are going to take my side, maybe then I will finally have some sense of security and control that I can't just be taken out by Martian at any minute if he decides to. Yeah, we definitely, we see that a lot with Nan too, I feel at the end of Out of the Shadows. We talked about that a little bit last episode where, you know, she is also knows that she can't go up against Martian alone. We see, we saw that a lot in Tempest Runner with Lorna D. You know, she knew, she is always like one step ahead of Martian or so, or so she thinks, I think they are pretty level where they're at um, in that aspect. But, you know, she was like, I can't go up against Martian alone. And um, I do think that is going to change uh, in the near future. It does make me think that Crix will, will not be joining Zine and will not, you know, go back to being a good person. Um, I do think that he might end up becoming Tempest Runner um which is you know a little scary I don't want to see that um but you know wouldn't mind seeing him and Nan go up against each other for Tempest Jenner that would be great um but other than that yeah I'm I don't want to say I'm nervous for Cricks because I do, I'm not I'm nervous about the consequences of one Cricks camera <laughs> yeah the power structure in the Nihil I think is going to be shifting um, it could be in a few different ways. We could see like Zetar get killed off somehow and someone needs to replace him. Or we could see a situation where either Martian dies or Lorna is just able to take command of the Nihil and sort of get him out of there um, where she's in control. My dream that I will be manifesting from now until then is that Lorna becomes either the new eye or just like the leader of the Nihil and she's like wow I know this epic girl boss named Nan who would mm-hmm. like to be a Tempest Runner and makes her Tempest Runner but in the unfortunate scenario where that doesn't happen yeah Crix and Nan we already know that I mean we didn't really get Crix's point of view but we know that Nan doesn't like Crix um, and we know that they both want power. We know specifically Nan is gunning for Tempest Runner and like it's a reasonable conclusion that Crix would be as well. And so I do think that if it is Zetar, if he dies, there's going to be an open position and it could be Crix or Nan and they definitely both would be willing to fight for that spot. Who would win? I'm afraid. I am worried about a, a large time jump, um, which I think we discussed about last episode is a large time jump between um phase one and phase two what i would like to see um is if there is a time jump we get a high republic adventures um of this group of padawans as jedi knights i i do worry that one of these poor padawans is gonna die and i i think that i do think lula is safe honestly I don't know. I can't see a scenario in which Lula does die or gets leveled. I do see a few scenarios in which Zine does not make it out of make it out of this. One of them, she could be killed by Crix. I do think that that's a little bit dark, though. Not saying that this comic series isn't dark at all, because it is. But I don't know. I feel like children killing each other is a little yeah. dark. that's an interesting question too because i'm like would crix kill zine like i genuinely don't know like he is very terrible at this point 
but I'm like, I don't know if he would. Uh, not this is a horrible comparison um <laughs> and I apologize in advance for it but I do think that there is a scenario in which we get a, kind of a mirror of the Padme and Anakin Mustafar scene um where <laughs> stop don't look at me like that <laughs> where Cricks where where Cricks does almost kill Zine and then is kind of like, oops. But then sees, and but then maybe Mark comes in and makes him angry and then he goes away, you know. And then there's also the theory that we did talk about maybe two episodes ago where, where Zine does kill Crix. And I definitely am worried that Lula would react poorly or at least Zine would think that she reacts poorly and leaves. I just need a scenario in which Zine and Lula do not get separated. I, so I don't know how that's going to happen because I have a feeling that no matter what happens, they will not they will not be together in the end. And okay, also though, the poster of, of Starlight on fire and falling out of the sky, the, the Starhopper Padawans are on that poster. Mm-hmm. And it does say who will survive. Um, this brings me to another theory. I do... I do think that if one of the Padawans does die and it's it, it, it might be Farzala, that would actually kill me. I don't think I would make it out of that scenario. Um, he is, I think that Farzala is one of the characters that we get more develop on in this um, series, in the in the comic run. Because yeah, we have Zine and Lila and they're like their main characters, you know. And then Court has been getting some development in these last two issues. Um, uh, but, you know, I do think that Farzala, I think he's also the oldest one. I don't know if that's canon and if I'm making it up, but he definitely seems like he's the oldest one. I know that he's older than Court. I think that he became a Padawan a year before Lula, but I might be making that up. Um, but yeah, him being the oldest one, is very scary to me uh if they're going if they're going a route of one of them dies he is definitely a contender but yeah I'm scared (laughs) that's Mm -hmm. it I feel like I feel like I do say I'm scared many many times each episode we talk about the yeah because genuinely like I have so many theories and they're all bad none of them are good not to be the worst, but I did manifest the leveler um, taking away force sensitivity. Uh, that was all me, guys. That was all me. I'm sorry. I've been talking about it since July. <laughs> and then it did happen. We do have a little epic uh, Tyoric moment in Race to Crash Point Tower, which I loved, especially because it's a scene that we saw in Rising Storm, but just from a different perspective. And I was like laughing so hard at the differences between when we got it from Ty's perspective versus Ram's perspective. It's really funny. Yeah, so did I. I was like, okay, I was like, which one's the unreliable narrator here? Exactly. <laughs> and at like, first, neither of you are like, that trustworthy to me in this scene. Yeah. <laughs> at first I was like, oh, it's Ram. You know, he's a kid. He's going to say it in his eyes. And then I was like, okay, but I love the idea of like, of Ty just totally making everything up. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah it's so funny we did get a, a, a good Tyork moment um another good Tyork moment in this book is when she does 
um, come in on those dragon things. <laughs> and she just saves the day and she's like, here, I brought you this dragon. I also brought you Zine. Um, <laughs> that scene and then just just Lula being like oh my god it's Zine finally after she's been worried about Zine this entire time um she does there is a moment actually in this book where she's um she does like trip and fall and almost falls off a building because she's so like worried about Zine and the rest of her friends and Ram is like are you okay girl and she's like she's like I'm fine I'm fine uh, she's like picking herself up from like the ledge of a building um also I do want to say I think that I said earlier that I think that Zine and Lula are a dyad in the force um I can't wait for that to actually happen if it does but I thinking it's going to happen um, it's been, it's been getting set up since the first comic, you know, and I think that once that happens, they are going to be just so powerful, and see, if they realized that they were dyad in the force, Lula would have never been so worried, and she wouldn't have fallen off that building, because she would just know where Zine is. Again, every time I'm excited, I'm also extremely nervous, because, dyad in the force is a, is about as close to a crazy bond it's a crazy bond um and we did talk about what we think might happen between force bonds and the leveler if the leveler gets anywhere near either of them that's it i'm a, I, i'm out i can't do it anymore <laughs> yeah i've been thinking a lot about force bonds recently um and I'm at this, like, with every one, I'm at this weird point, like, I mean, Avar and Elzar come to mind specifically, I'm like, I don't want Elzar to get leveled, because then Avar might die, and, like, he will blame himself, and that'll be sad. Um, I do love a good, like, dying in the arms scene. <laughs> um, not to manifest oh, that for them. It would be very, I don't think I would recover. But also, I don't want Avar to get the leveler used on her because then everyone's yeah. screwed. And everyone's dead. I, um, yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not excited for that. Little side point <laughs> in the in the little wave three High Republic Deadpool right now. I do have one of my predictions as all the firebrands are in different parts of Starlight, and then they finally are all together because they've never all been together. And they're finally all together and one of them dies. <laughs> That's exactly what I think is going to happen. I do think one of my predictions right now is that um, Stellan, so they're all on Starlight and Stellan is with Vernestra a majority of the time. We did get some of them in Out of the Shadows, but I, I do need like a fight scene, you know, not to be mm -hmm. like the person who's like, I need a fight scene all the time. But I do need that. Mm -hmm. I do need Vernestra like using her light whip in front of Stellan and Stellan just being like, what? And she's like, oh, oops, I didn't tell you about that. Um, that would be a funny little moment um, in the midst of the chaos of Starlight literally falling out of the sky. That's um, what I'm thinking. If they're in like the middle of like an insane battle and she just pulls out her what light whip and starts using it and Stellan is like, Vernestra, like, what are you what what yeah. are you thinking when you and she's like, Master, we're literally like fending for our lives right now. Can we discuss mm -hmm. this later? Or yeah. like 
they are it's like avar is with them and avar is like Vern, like use your light whip and stellan's like you're what <laughs> i do think that they are i think that all the firebrands are going to be on different parts of starlight and finally come together um i do want them all together i do want to see that uh i think they would be insanely powerful together it bothers me so much that avar is not on the cover of fallen star because it's starlight beacon why is she not there if they kill all three of them i would i didn't even think about that i just all the firebrands die i just (laughs) have the worst thought oh no (laughs) i just want to share it (laughs) what if what if it's like mm, what if the whole book is like three parts like most of these books have been and in each part what Mm, one of them dies all i'm saying is elzar better not be last i did like i can't take it fear that is the fear i do think if there was an order to it it would have to be i think for the most angst it would be stellan then avar then elzar here's what i'm oh my god because (laughs) i need to stop but they're just coming um Stellan and Avar right now are sort of like clashing a bit because we have seen them arguing like multiple times. If they have like a falling out, which is one of my theories, um, and then he dies. Or she <laughs> dies. No, okay, that's worse. That's so much worse. If Avar dies and then there's Elzar. I will be come violent if Avar dies and Elzar's not there for it. Partially because, like, I that want is, the angst. If Avar dies, not leveled, if Avar dies while connected to both of the firebrands, <laughs> I'm going insane. I'm literally going to, I'm going to have a panic attack after this. <laughs> I'm going to go cry. <laughs> and then, and okay, all Stellan and Elzar would feel is the connection dying. If, if Stellan died before Avar... Or even if Elzar died before Avar, for because a- we know she says a lot how she's like, I can't hear their song anymore. For her to have to hear that, but with Elzar or stuff. Concept. So hurtful. <laughs> Concept. Marcian Rowe kills Avar in front of Elzar. <laughs> and Elzar. Hold on now. Literally. And Elzar. I don't think he's going to full turn to the dark side, but has a little dark side moment. Mm-hmm. And and kills Mark. I'm just thinking, like, that would be so sexy of him. They, the High Republic authors have way too much power over my life right now. That's so true. They, they, <laughs> they do, like, control my life. And, they and hold my, my life in their death. hands. If they're all dying, if all the firebrands are dying, I do think Stellan's going to be first. Um, and I do think that he is going to be with Vernestra. Oh my god. Um, yeah. If oh Emery's there and he has to be on me. I was just about to say that. If Emery's there and then Claudia Gray, my entire life is in your hands right now. Yeah, this no more so thought, no more thoughts about Emery for the for the rest of the day. For the rest of the recording of the pod, we're not ta- we're not thinking about Emery. It's we're blacklisting Emery from our topics of discussion. Yeah. I don't want I don't want the firebrands to die. <laughs> I know. I'm so I'm so worried for them. 
worried worried for elzar worried favorite worried for the firebrands we're blacklisting the name firebrand okay we're <laughs> blacklisting all the firebrands from the rest of the episode we can't we can't do I'm this just gonna anymore. redact them i'm gonna like say redacted whenever i need to speak about yeah. them so i don't have to think about it okay for our next segment we're gonna do a little game um called guess who but with our High Republic characters. So we're each going to choose a character and we have to guess uh, who each other chose. Is your character a Padawan? No. Has your character appeared in any comics? No, I don't think so. (laughs) Okay, if this character was in high school, would they be popular? Yeah. Assuming, like, barring any, like, age restrictions or whatever... If they were legally old enough to, if they were, like, at a party, would they get drunk? Mm, I'm going to say yeah. I'm going to say okay. yeah. I think they'd be a really good time <laughs> at a party. Okay. Would your character decide to go to college after high school? I feel like at the very least they'd take a gap year and then maybe. Is this person, like a teenager slash young adult no is this character someone who I would defend the actions of yes do you think that this person is currently a member of a polycule I wish I don't (laughs) think so I don't think so actually (laughs) I'm gonna need to get on that (laughs) would your character pass uh high school algebra yeah yeah do you think that like if you were a padawan do you think your character would be a good master yes yes my character would be a fantastic master (laughs) um i'm gonna guess is it porter engel it is porter engel (laughs) (laughs) the polycule question really got me because i was like now hold on (laughs) now yeah that's what i literally was like um no but why not like why have I not thought about this do I want to guess your character I have so many left I'll just you already won but I'll shoot from the hip is your character no I have so many left just kidding I have no idea is your character um Buryaga no okay who's your character Ty York do you think that if your character were real do you think that you'd get along with them um yeah I do okay. <laughs> from what you know about me would your character like me like would they or would they be annoyed by me I'm gonna say no they like they know they would not like you if your character were to exist in the Clone Wars era would they love or hate Anakin Skywalker they would hate Anakin Skywalker. Okay. <laughs> would your character be a guest on our podcast? Like, would they want to or would yeah. we want them to? Would, okay. would, um, would they want to be on our podcast? I'm going to say yes for a very specific reason. Would your character have a TikTok account? You know what? I, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to hesitantly say yes because I can see a situation. Where, no, you know what? Yeah, they would. They absolutely okay. would. This, would your character get along with Obi-Wan Kenobi? No. 
So you said your character would have a TikTok. Do you think that would they like get themselves canceled? No, I don't think okay. I don't think there's anything cancel worthy about about them. Okay, would I go up to your character and slap them across the face? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have it down. I have it down to a few people. Go ahead. Do you think that like if the force were not a factor, if they're force sensitive, do you think you could beat them in a fight? I don't think I'd want to. I don't, okay. I, don't I don't think I'd be able I don't know how I would win. That's the thing. I don't I don't know how I would lose either though. I'm gonna go ahead and say I, I might lose. I'm gonna go ahead and say I might lose. Is your character Crix? No. I do have one left. <laughs> go ahead. I still just go with, is your character force sensitive? Um, I don't think so. Oh god, okay. <laughs> I'm not actually sure. Um, but I don't think so. Is your character Marjion Rowe? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, when you were like, would they get along with Obi-Wan? I was like, no. <laughs> no. I literally had it between Crix and Marjion, and I was like. These are the only two characters who I would slap in the face. <laughs> yeah. Is your character Geode? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about the TikTok one and I was like, no, yeah. They Yeah. Yeah. They would be very that like I feel like they'd have like a group account like Geode, Affy, and Leox. Yeah, a vessel account. Is your character someone who we've talked about today? Yes. Would you consider your character to be a girl boss? I'm going to say no. I'm okay. going to say no. Would your character be a gamer? Yeah. Yeah. Is your character the type of character to like stay up all night or go to bed at like 10 p.m.? I think they go to bed at a reasonable time. Okay. Um, I don't think I don't think they're an all-nighter kind of person. Would your character have like a fun time at a party like would they be a good time yeah would your character and like if they're younger just imagine they're older would your character like have a one night stand hmm interesting I want to say yes but I'm pretty sure the answer is no would your character absolutely serve at the Met Gala I'm gonna say yeah would you want your character as a Padawan yeah if this character were to die in the fallen star would you absolutely lose your mind like yeah <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> this is kind of similar mm -hmm. um do you think this character could die like at the end of this phase um it's a possibility okay I would really, really hope they, they wouldn't do that, but it is a possibility for sure. When this person gets um, Starbucks, do they get like a, like a fruity drink, like a Frappuccino or like something that's not coffee? I feel like they just get whatever has the most caffeine. Would this person be more like creative or academic oriented I feel like they would be artistic I think that they they wouldn't not be smart like I think they would do well in school and academics but I think that they would have fun in like the arts 
is this character like a dog person like would they have dogs like lots of dogs <laughs> yeah would there be a lot of people who would want to date this person yes <laughs> mm, boring question is your character an adult yes is your character still a padawan where we're at right now yes would i like get down on one knee and marry this character like instantly no but like maybe has your character like canonically like that we've seen hung out with stellan yes oh my gosh i'm nervous because of my last question that people are gonna be like what is wrong with you is your character stellan geos no oh no i think i messed up <laughs> <laughs> okay wait oh, no. is yours bell yes <laughs> okay thank god because i was like he's all i have and i think that i might have fucked up somewhere okay, who is good. your character elzar oops <laughs> <laughs> what was it that got him eliminated oh <laughs> uh, you're gonna get mad at me <laughs> was it the marriage one yeah. i did i was like <laughs> that i had to think on that one because i was trying I, to think of myself i was like would i marry him unclear i feel like elzar is the kind of person where i could be like hey can you wash the dishes for me i'm really like i'm late for work and i can't do them right now and he just wouldn't do them <laughs> i'm like part of the reason why i can him is because he's a difficult person to work with but he's so difficult to work with I would be like losing my mind trying to get anything done with him yeah no yeah that exactly yeah I would marry Belzettafar in a heartbeat I so true. I would do anything for him actually <laughs> he's truly just like boyfriend material I think I think that I think that Vern should um introduce Belle to read Silas that's what yeah. I would and if they kiss and fall in love, then <laughs> then they kiss and fall in love. I really, I'm kind of obsessed now with this idea. <laughs> I love them. I ship this now. Someone should write fanfic about them. Just putting I that agree. out there. Oh my god, no! I want like fan art of them. Yeah, if you listen to this podcast and you are a fan of Wreath and Bell, please do that. Maybe them like them getting coffee or something you know something kind of cute something adorable that will like take my mind off of redacted (laughs) I think I think that I think the perfect um idea is just for you know Vernesha realizes okay so so Emery actually is like hey Vern just to let you know because I know you don't like you don't see it because he's your friend but Wreath has a crush on you and then she's like oh no oh no I have, to, <laughs> I have to introduce him to someone else and like the first person she sees is Belle and he's she's like oh oh Belle come here come here meet Reed Silas <laughs> and that's how they meet that's that's it's like when thinking of um in uh Rising Storm with Kip and Jom where I don't I think it's Kip who sees Belle and is like oh no he's really good looking I need to keep him away from my little boyfriend I feel like Reith would immediately say see Belle and be like oh my god he's hot yeah Reith sees Belle and is like do I like do I like men like is this something I'm do I like men this like getting all like flustered trying Mm -hmm. to talk to Belle and Comac standing there like oh my god this is so embarrassing yeah, Comac is like, oh my. Comac is like, Vern, Imri, do you want to like go grab some lunch so we don't have to watch this? Oh, I'm obsessed with this. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, 
Anyways. These are the kind of theories I wish I would be thinking about. Yeah, instead of redacted. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Fulcrum Transmissions. Please feel free to send us questions. You can DM them to us on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok. In next week's episode, we'll be discussing Tempest Runner, so feel free to send us questions related to that as well. Once again, thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode.